Welcome to another ATP Tennis Radio podcast. This week, there's a Laver Cup theme running throughout the show. Over the course of the next half hour or so, we'll hear from Team World's Diego Schwartzman and Denis Shapovalov, and Team Europe's Alexander Zverev and Matteo Berrettini. We'll also catch up with a former star of the tournament, Dominic Team. But first of all, it's the man who got it all going. The team from the weekly magazine show ATP Uncovered sat down with Roger Federer to try out another competition with him. They asked the Swiss ace a series of questions that recalled key moments from his career both on and off court. What year did Roger Federer start the Roger Federer Foundation? Uh, 2003. Well, I should, I should know that. I mean be wrong if I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Where did Roger Federer play his first ATP Tour match? 98 start. Who did Roger Federer get his first ATP Tour against? Guillaume Raux in Toulouse. When did Roger Federer first beat Rafael Nadal? Uh, was it the finals of Miami in 05? That's it! Fall into each other's arms at the end of a quite magnificent scrap. Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal played the battle of the surfaces. In Mallorca. Yes. <laughs> I ended up losing it 7-6 in the third. But it was the craziest thing we've ever, I've ever seen. Yeah. Changing shoes every two games. They had to change the grass because there was worms inside. Because I think he was on a, a ridiculous clay court winning streak and I was on a winning streak on grass, I believe. So somehow he was the the perfect storm for that match to happen. How many times has Roger Federer won Glorious Sportsman of the Year? I believe five, yes. plus one comeback. Did Roger Federer serve as a ball boy in Basel? 93-94 or 94-95, I'm not sure. Which football team did Roger Federer go up supporting? FC Basel but I played for FC Concordia Basel, yeah. How many doubles titles does Roger Federer have? Eight. Yes. Is it? No. Yeah. <laughs> when was Roger Federer's wedding? 2009. Don't ask me about the date. <laughs> me and Mirka, we struggle with remembering the date, so it's not just me. <laughs> it was April, yes, it was a nice day, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it was sunny it was uh, between, for, for April. It was between the 9th and the 12th. Yeah, it was the 11th. Yes! <laughs> no, I, I mean, I was pretty sure, but I wasn't 100%. <laughs> what year did Roger Federer receive an honorable doctorate degree from oh. the University of Basel? I'd say this was 17. Yeah. yeah. So you can call me doctor if you want to. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Which languages can Roger Federer speak? Swiss German, German, French, and English. Where did Roger Federer win his 1,000th match? Finals of Brisbane. Game, set the match. Federer. Oh, thousands match. It was also Brisbane. No, but the thousands match and the thousands win is different, yeah, obviously. Yeah, of course. I wish it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. So what about a thousand match winning streak? <laughs> The 
The Labor Cup takes place between the 24th through 26th of September in Boston and leading the European charge as they look to run their record to 4-0 in the competition. It'll be the U.S. Open quarterfinalist, Matteo Berrettini. He's up to seventh in the world under the guidance of his longtime coach, Vincenzo Santopadre. I've been working with Vincenzo since 10 years now, so our relationship is really, is really strong. We understand each other just with, you know, with eye contact. We improved, both of us, because he didn't start like, like as a coach of ten, top 10 players. He was working in this club in Rome, and he had kids, and I was one of the kids. And now he's my coach, and now I'm a top 10 player, so we had to adjust also for that. It wasn't easy, we, it took time, but we, we put a lot of effort and, and now we are happy where, where we are and I think we can achieve even, even more together. From Italy, Matteo Berrettini! At the end of the day, you're never satisfied for what you're doing because there is always like next week, next tournament, next slam next big tournament so you have to be satisfied with what you're doing once you feel that every day you're putting the effort they're putting the best you can in everything you're doing i think at the end of the day you can go to sleep and you feel satisfied it's not about winning or losing it's not about the trophy or not the trophy it's about if you're enjoying what you're doing your life and or not right now i really enjoy my, my lifestyle i enjoy what i do and that's why i'm happy When I was a kid, I was dreaming about being here, playing with the best guys. I was actually looking at TV, watching Nova, Rafa, Roger playing, and now I'm playing with them. So it's it's really inspiring for me, and I think for the next generations as well. You know, like if you work hard, if you really have a dream, I think you can you can get there. And even if you don't get there, I think you if you try your best, it's something that is going to be helpful for your life. It's weird to think about the legacy for me because I never I never thought I could be here. Like when I was younger, you know, like I never had a plan. I, I was just playing and playing and, and what really inspired me was when kids are saying like I watch all your matches when they wear the hat like me and they, they, they're saying oh I do the forehand like Berrettini. This is something that uh, really makes me happy. So I, I really wish that people watching me, they, they feel something that is more than hitting a tennis ball, you know, like something that you can achieve your dreams, you can you can fight, you have to fight all, all the time for everything you're doing. And if I can inspire even like two or three kids per, per week, it's something that is going to make me feel really good. From a U.S. Open quarterfinalist to a man who made the semifinals of that tournament just after he claimed Olympic gold. Alexander Zverev will be a key player in the Team Europe setup. He's becoming the picture of consistency. You actually learn much more from losses than from wins. Disappointed, wasn't he, with the manner of the defeat. Losses motivate you in the way that you want to do better next time. It's always been in our sport this way. Tennis is a very short-term memory sport. You need to have success, put it in your pocket, and put it in your, you know, in the back of the brain, and then know you can do it, but then go out there and do it again. It's victory for Zverev. I love the feeling of lifting that trophy. That's the hunger that you want. That's the thing that you kind of miss when you're sitting at home on the couch. 
incredible tennis. What a point. You know, that's when I get the most satisfaction after winning a big match or winning a big title. That's something that you play for and that's something that, you know, right now you get the biggest emotion out of it. From Germany, Alexander Zverev. For me, the home makes the people. Uh, when, you, when your people and your loved ones are around you, you feel like a part of your home is traveling with you. I think it really helps to have an older brother on tour that still plays, to have your, your parents there with you. It's a great thing to have all around. Well, I didn't want to be just like Misha, I wanted to beat Misha. It didn't really matter what we were doing, whether we were playing Monopoly, whether we were playing cards, I always kind of wanted to, to be better than him. So that was definitely one part. But then when you grow up, you, you want the best for your brother. I mean, I, I want him to win kind of basically every match that he played. When you're not as focused, you're not winning as much, and then you start losing all of a sudden to matches that, that you're not used to losing. At the end of the day, you need to know what you want. And the path I'm on right now, I'm very happy with it since basically 2020. I think I had a great 2020 season. Of course, I didn't win the big tournaments like the US Open, but I was very, very close. Uh, all in all, it was a good season, but for me, it's now about making the next step and winning the big titles. I think if you look at the off-season of a very, very top player, the off-season is very different towards the, the maybe some other guys. I think what separates it is not only the drive, of course, it's the motivation, but it's the way we practice. Yes, there's guys that are more talented than me. There's guys that are maybe even more talented than Rafa or Roger or someone like that. But I think Roger and Rafa, they got everything out of their career. They got everything to the absolute limit. And that's what separates them from, from everyone else, I think. Alexander Zverev sweeps all before him in Madrid. The biggest satisfaction that I get is playing in front of 20,000 people. You know, to hear them cheering, to, to be walking out on a court with, you know, 20,000 people screaming your name, that's, that's something that you can't describe. That's something that you just can't refill in a normal life. And I think that's just something that is a very special feeling. He's got a very big future. Coming up, we'll be catching up with Dominic Team. He's been speaking with WTA star Madison Keys as part of a new series getting players from both tours to talk about the various issues in the game. But first, we'll hear from Team World's Denis Shapovalov and Diego Schwartzman. They've been speaking with our Mike Cation. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Well, it's always a pleasure to be able to talk to Diego Schwartzman. And, and Diego, we're going to talk a little bit about tactically how you approach the game on court and that's always a very dangerous thing for a guy like me to be talking to someone like you but I'm I, I was reading this morning actually somebody who said that the advantage of being a excellent elite returner is bigger than the advantage of being an elite server if that makes sense that if you're a better returner that yeah. makes a better it's a better advantage against an average returner than the serve do you agree with that I I think I'm not. I'm not because uh, you know right now the service it's it's very tough first to put the return in, uh, play points and make good returns. The guys are serving you know 220, 215. I was I was watching last week uh, Shapovalov Tiafo and every single serve was going 215, <laughs> 223, 225. And I think when 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 you have this kind of of serve in front of you, it's very tough to. To return, uh, no matter if you have a good one or or bad one, I agree. If you have a better, re a, a good return and a decent serve, 
you are you know in in the mood uh, to 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 have many possibilities many chances in the match uh, if not we, we we are not talking you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think the guys uh, who have these options like for example rafa ferrer uh, well the the guys from before from argentina from spain from italy everyone has a decent serve some some guys are serving better than than other ones but then the return it's the high percentage of the return are going in so yeah i think depends of where you grow you have a better serve or not <laughs> with you um in in your ability to be so aggressive as well as being a very good counter puncher when you approach a week like this how how important is it for you to get um, engaged with the court speed and understand that to look at, at how you're going to approach matches tactically? It's very important. It's very important. I think it's, it's the key. Sometimes we don't have too much time to, to know the surface, to know the the new country, new conditions. And it's, it's tough. Uh, when you do a good tournament the, the week before, for example, Cincinnati. If you have a, a, a good week in Toronto, you, you you come here with not not the real time that that you need to to know what to do the first match. You know, uh, if the courts are speed, if the ball is uh, you know bouncing, uh, if it's a slow, fast, uh, the conditions are tough, and I, I think are very important to to make uh, different matches. Is that more important for you, do you feel, than maybe other players? Well, sometimes, we're we coming back to the first question, when, when you have a good serve or, or, or very hard shots, you are not thinking much about the, the conditions, I think. But uh, when, when you have to, to play every single point, it's different. I think it's a different situation because you, you know to... You have to know how, how, how to play and how the conditions are to, to, to have a good points. You are so good at taking a ball on the rise. I imagine that factors in as well to what we're talking about here, yeah. how, how crucial it is to get an idea of the speed and bounce. Yeah, obviously. I mean, many different things are happening on court and uh, the conditions are changing every week. Depends of the weather, depends of the surface. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you have to try to find a way to, to play your best tennis. Sometimes it's easier, sometimes it's, it's tougher. Can you, if you were speaking to more of a, an average person, a, just a player, how can they work on that, picking the ball up um, off of the bounce, especially if they're just uh, playing at a new court for the first time and, and, and having to adjust? What's the best way to learn that? Yeah, with the legs, you know, the legs are very important to do this, this, this job. Uh, you you have to work very hard to be ready to to be close to the to the floor and you know not move be strong with the legs and just hit the ball clean i think it's very important right now with in tennis you know that the guys are hitting very clean no matter if the ball is close to the floor or is bouncing everyone is hitting clean so that's that's the real key and and to hit clean you have to you have to move forward and you have to move well Dennis Shapovalov now joining us on ATP Tennis Radio. Um, Dennis, the hair looks absolutely fantastic right now. It seems like it's been a little bit of a work in progress, yes? Um, <laughs> yeah, you can say that. I mean, uh, just changing it up all the time. And uh, yeah, just thought I'd do something different again. But uh, 
Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It means a lot coming from you. <laughs> Obviously. Me with my losing my hair. I get it. Um, we're starting to look ahead now to the Labor Cup. Um, and I'm just wondering if, if you can talk a little bit about what that means uh, to you at this stage of your career, still so very young. Yeah, it's definitely always uh, always super, super exciting to get the call up for, for Labor Cup. You know, definitely think I'll be going as one of the top guys this year. So it's going to be a little bit of a change for me. And uh, for sure, it's super, super tough to beat Team Europe, but uh, it's always exciting. And uh, it's going to be my first time playing when it's uh, when it's in, on the you know world side of the map. So it'll be super fun. What does it mean having that competition after what we've all been through in the last year and a half when you guys, it, it feels been it, like it's been so desperate from week to week to finally have this bit of time to still compete, but also on a more relaxed venue? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh, super exciting just to have the fans back and uh, have like a little bit of a normal life sense mm. again, you know, but uh for sure. I mean, it's going to be super exciting. I remember the years before the the crowd and uh, just the the sensation was was unbelievable at Labor Cup. So it's going to be super exciting. And that team competition, what's what's that like for a guy who hasn't had too many team opportunities yet in his career? Yeah, no, I think I had a few actually. Obviously, with Davis Cup, sure. we made finals, you know. So and I played Labor Cup twice now. So I do have have some some team experience but uh this is gonna be my first time a labor cup kind of leading and uh being one of the top guys so for sure like i said it's gonna be a little bit different but i do have that experience at, at davis cup i was playing number one and uh you know me and vashik uh we, we carry the team to the finals you know so for sure it's uh gonna bring bring you know some good feelings into labor cup and hopefully i can use that to to kind of excel the team it's interesting to think about you as a leader at, at, at your age at this point um and, and i'm wondering if you embrace that role are, are you comfortable with it for sure i love it i i think uh i think i have you know a lot of respect for the role i think it's not easy but i do love to to lead and uh and help out the teammates as, as much as possible and uh and just have them thrive, you know, off off my energy and and off off the whole preparation and everything. I, I think you know it's a it's a role you you kind of have to get comfortable with. But uh, for sure, I, I definitely, like I said, I respect it and uh, and I appreciate you know having that that sort of role. I think obviously, as you well know, the, the idea of mental health anxiety has been so. Um, so discussed over mm -hmm. the last year with what Naomi Osaka has done, obviously Simone Biles as well. You were thrust into a limelight at such a young age. You thrust yourself into the limelight yeah. <laughs> at yeah, such a young age. You're talking about um, the idea of being a leader at 22. You seem to be in a unique position to be able to discuss that. And I'm wondering how you have viewed the last couple of months, especially thinking back to some of the early ups and downs that you went through in your career. Yeah, it's definitely super difficult. I think uh, it's not something you expect going into it as as an athlete. You know the the pressures and and all the the controversy and and you know the just the noise in general around it. You know, obviously when when you get into it, you you, you get into the sport because you love playing it and and you love the feeling of winning or or you know so on. But uh, as you get better, obviously there's more eyes and ears on you and and more people talking and. That's just something you have to to kind of learn and uh, and accept, and for sure, it's it's definitely not easy at times, and everyone kind of deals with it differently. But uh, I think I've done a a decent job, just kind of you know having a bubble around me and uh, only really focusing on 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 the people um, inside that bubble, you know that their opinions and and only care about that, and everyone kind of outside the bubble, I don't really pay attention to or, or listen to because at the end of the day they they don't really know who you are they don't know what you put into it every every single day you know and uh 
therefore they don't really know you so their opinions shouldn't really matter to you you know so that's that's the way i treat it and and the people around me they know the type of person i am they know what i put into it and uh of course if they tell me i'm not working hard enough then i'll listen to them and i'll be like you're right i need to step it up but other than that it's uh you know for for me i i don't really pay attention to it were you always able to do that even at 17 18 19 no no, no definitely not it's been a kind of a learning progress for sure and uh so easy to get distracted on instagram and, and all these social media platforms you know especially when you're doing well because you know you see these people people reaching out to you and and your followers growing and this and that but uh after experiencing a couple times you you kind of understand that this is kind of the way it goes and then as soon as you have some bad results it's it's going to come crashing down on you you know so you you kind of learn just to not not focus on it and uh, like i said just just stay in my bubble and and only listen and and talk to to the people around me and uh either either way you know if i'm doing well or if i'm not doing so well so i think it's like i said it's it's definitely been been a learning progress to do that it's it's never easy especially at at a young age and and the first couple times when when you're shooting up and uh all this noise is around you how how have been some of those ways you've been able to kind of release um some of the pressure the anxiety whatever you might want to call it release that pressure and just allow yourself to kind of get back into it is it something off the court in specifically yeah i think i think pressure comes with with being scared you know i think uh i think if you look at why you started playing this sport and uh and why you're going to these tournaments and see the fun in it then the pressure is kind of gone and you know that's that's really how i look of it at it obviously there's moments where i can get nervous and tight and maybe not perform but at the end of the day, I mean, it's it's first of all, it's normal. You're you're a human being, you know. But at these at the end of the day, I try to enjoy it, even when I'm not, you know, performing or whatever. I enjoy the practices. I enjoy the work I put in, and then that gives me belief that that I'm, you know, I can play and I'm there and 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 so forth. And uh, it really just comes to to enjoying the moment, enjoying the matchups, and and enjoying that that spotlight and and that pressure and, and all of it. It's very rare. I don't remember the last time an athlete actually admitted to me that pressure means you're a bit scared. I mean, it's just yeah, so rare to actually sure. hear that, but I think that's kind of one of those crucial things to actually talk about and say, yeah, it's that's a normal yeah. emotion, right? It's definitely it's definitely normal to, to be scared or if you're not going to perform or if you're going to lose or, you know, not not please everyone, you know, it's it's normal. And that's, that's what it is. That's what pressure is, you know. Um, but as soon as you realize that and, and you're able to flip it, then then it's it's kind of gone you know at least for me and uh and I've, I've definitely it's not something that you know comes easy to me i've worked with a psychologist and we continue to work and and pressure is always going to be a thing you know it's something you have to constantly deal with and it's just about yeah it's just it's just about dealing it with for me it's it's this type of way you know kind of going back to to why i'm doing this enjoying it and uh and then it's it's kind of gone for me what are the ways you've been able to have an outlet off the court? What's been the most important thing for you off court in that regard? I think, uh, I think first of all, like I said, having that, that group of, yeah. of supporters around me, my friends and, and, you know, people to talk to and people to just almost get away from tennis is huge. And obviously, you know, like my music is, is a huge passion of mine. It's a huge hobby. And uh, obviously I don't expect to go anywhere with it, but it's just a, a great outlet for me, you know, to, to kind of, kind of do something and uh obviously you know i feel like i'm i'm definitely creative you know i like to video edit and i like to do music and, and all so- sorts of stuff you know so it's just uh just a passion of mine and again it's just something that 
my mind gets taken off tennis and I can just talk about something else or, you know, just, just focus on something else. And uh, that's definitely been a big thing. Thank you so much for your time. It's great to talk to you. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was Mike Cation speaking with Diego Schwartzman and the man you've just heard from, Denis Shapovalov. The Canadians admitted that he struggled at times during lockdown with his mental health. Another player who's been dealing with the mental side of things, as well as a recent injury, is the 2020 U.S. Open champion, Dominic Team. He's taking time out from the game at the moment, but he managed to sit down with WTA standout Madison Keys as part of the Tennis United Cross Court, a regular new initiative that gets players from both tours talking. Hey. Hi. How are you? Fine, you? Good. Tommy, do you think that there's still kind of a stigma behind mental health and asking for help, especially for athletes? Probably yes, but I think it's getting better and better. But I guess that for many athletes, it's still a difficult topic. And it shouldn't be, no, because I guess that mental health is as important as physical health. and. Just because you cannot see what's going on in, in your brain or in your head, it doesn't mean that everything is good up there, no? Yeah, I agree. I think so many people see us traveling the world and playing tennis, and I think sometimes we almost feel bad for saying that we're not 100% mentally happy or healthy or anything like that, because we have so much that we should be thankful for, and we are thankful for, but there's still things that are going on in our lives or even on the court that people don't always see. But I think sometimes it's really hard to admit that I'm kind of struggling and I might need a little bit of help getting out of this rut and this time in my life when I'm not you know, super excited to be on a tennis court or just overall happy in life. I agree because we are feeling same like all other people know and then all other people are going through difficulties both in in the profession and both in their private life and in in general um, nobody is, is always happy or always feeling good and just because we are traveling the world we are in in the nicest cities and playing usually in front of 10,000 people it, it doesn't mean that we are day in day out happy no and i think it should be easier to to say that and to speak about it yeah for so long as athletes weaknesses were you know you were supposed to kind of hide them and not talk about them so that opponents couldn't take advantage of it and we kind of all would just try to keep that you know hidden and it's so important to talk about it and i think that's probably one of the biggest hurdles for athletes to be okay with having your mental health be a weakness at some point and getting help for it can actually make that weakness go away really quickly but it also i think helps other people who are also struggling with it and who don't feel comfortable talking about it yeah exactly i think that athletes can be good role models for for other people as well and as I said, I think it should be as easy to talk about mental issues or mental health than about physical problems. If like if you cannot compete for some weeks because you're injured with your knee or with your elbow, you also say it openly to the to the press and to everybody. But if you're struggling with motivation or, or struggling in your private life or 
struggling mentally in general. Um, nobody tells it openly, but maybe it should change, yeah. Is there anything in your career, whether recent or in the past, that you've had to deal with mental health-wise? Yeah, I mean, most recent after the US Open title was not as an easy period as I was thinking and probably everybody else was thinking. Um, everybody was looking at that and, and expecting probably that I'm playing free now and, and, and continue winning and everything. But for me, it was really different to achieve finally such a huge goal or, or basically my number one career goal and one of the biggest dreams of, of my life. And well, then a few weeks or a few months after I realized that something has changed and it's not continuing like before. And um, yeah, after Australia, I took that uh, time off got a little bit away from tennis and, and, and found some new motivation and also decided to talk a little bit more open about it in, in press and, and, and like now and it definitely helped me. Do you think it was more like the new pressure from all of a sudden you won a Grand Slam or was it more you kind of did it, you know, like you, you achieved your goal and it was like, well now what? Yeah, it was more like uh, now what because there was not so much new pressure or something like that going on but before the US Open when I had tough periods or I lost tough matches I always told myself yeah it's it's really tough now and uh, it's not so much fun right now but there's still this big dream and this big goal in the back of my head and obviously after I did that in the next tough period of time after the Australian Open, this thing of, well, there's still something I really want to achieve, it was gone. So yeah. it was a new situation. With talking about it, did that help a lot? Or did you also like, you know, try to find a new dream to go after? And I was, was trying, of course, to, to find a new dream, but um, talking about it with all kind of people, family, friends, um, other athletes, of course, um, that helped even more, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I have still have that kind of big dream in my head that I'm going for, but I know what you mean to a lesser extent of you finally achieve something that you've been working for so hard, and then you're kind of like, okay, well, I did it. So like, now what am I doing? <laughs> Well, I hope that you also get in that situation. Yeah, hopefully I have the same problem you did, where I want to slam too. So, Maddie, I heard that you are speaking out a lot about online abuse. Yeah, I actually, I worked with a um, foundation called Fearlessly Girl a couple years ago, and it was really about kind of women's empowerment and talking to some teenage girls about what they were going through. and. It was just crazy because we were going and talking to these large groups of girls and every single one of them was dealing with some sort of online abuse. And obviously as a tennis player, I can relate to that. And it was so sad because the second I told them, yeah, like I deal with it basically every day too, they just would like break down and say, I've been dealing with this from people that I thought were my friends or random people. and. It's just, it's become such a horrible thing that we all have to deal with. And it seems like there's not enough 
social media companies that are doing enough to tackle it. So I figured I'd be really loud and annoying about it and hopefully maybe someone would start listening because I mean, what all of us deal with when we come off of a match or, you know, even kids who are in high school are dealing with, it's just insane to me. It's great that you are doing something about it because, yeah, as you said, we, everybody is, is suffering from that, I guess. And I can only speak about us. I mean, the, the messages we get after mostly lost matches, it's uh, insane. And uh, it's great that you do something about it. Are there any things that you do to look after yourself, you know, mentally wise on the road and at home? At home, it's not so difficult because I have my family there, my friends there. I enjoy the time a lot, so I forget about most of the problems. But the tour, as you know, can get very lonely sometimes. And I think it's important to find kind of work-life balance. I think that when you're very young, you can probably go week in, week out playing so much, but the more experience you get and the older you also get, it's maybe better to take some weeks off, enjoy it at home with family and friends and uh, recharge your batteries for the next challenges because our tour or our job is like 10, 11 months a year. That's super demanding with a lot of traveling. And I think it's super important to get your time off as well. Yeah, you? I, think, I think my way of kind of dealing with it is I really love going out into cities. So go sightseeing and go to dinner and kind of hang out with some friends on the tour and just try to create as much of a home environment that I can. I'm one of the weirdos who the second I get into a hotel room, I unpack all of my stuff just so that it feels like I'm not living out of a suitcase, which sucks when I then have to pack all of it again. But it's just like little things like that that just make me feel a little bit more settled, help a little bit. But like I said, then you have to pack all your stuff again. So maybe don't take that advice. Maybe I should <laughs> try that once. I'll, I'll try it out to unpack my suitcase. Don't. Never did it. Yeah, don't get mad at me when you have to like stuff all of it back in there. Uh, thanks for talking. Thank you. I think that was really interesting. It's always really nice to talk to someone who completely understands the yeah, life. That's super nice. Thank you. That's super interesting. Cool. Good luck. See you around. See you around. <laughs> Ciao. Fantastic insight there from Madison Keys and Dominic Team, and thanks to all of our guests, Denis Shapovalov, Diego Schwartzman, Alexander Zverev, Matteo Berrettini, and Roger Federer. And of course, good luck to those involved in the upcoming Laver Cup in Boston. I'm Brian Clark. Thanks for listening to the show. If you have a moment, please head to the ATP Tennis Radio page on Apple Podcasts to rate and review the show to help others find out about the program. Also, please join me right here next weekend. We'll recap events at the Laver Cup and bring you even more exclusive interviews from the tour. Thanks for listening and enjoy the tennis.